Dream Home Makeover. The is new, this a new show H- from HGTV show or nope from Netflix. They no. should just but they should just make a reality show called Who Wants to Be the Next Chip and Joanna Gaines? Because that's <laughs> really what they're all competing for. That got uh, okay. I shouldn't have hit record on this because clearly <laughs> now there's going to be like the next HGTV star. <laughs> like well, uh, they had that for a while. They had that they for did? a while. Oh yeah. Who won? Not that it matters. Um, the guy who does he used to do a show called Color Splash. Now he does a show called My Lotto Dream Home. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> like oh, oh, I if you thought the state of American real estate and housing was dire, wait till mm-hmm. now. <laughs> you have to win the lottery to get out to get shelter. Exactly. <laughs> so he he did Color Splash, but that was you know the before time in the long mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah, when you know HGTV was actually about design, then it became all about the actual real oh, estate. Oh, market. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. everybody. John is going to raise his hand in objection. Uh, back when HGTV was about the design, all right, it was about principles. Before 2008, they actually used to be about, hey, let's make over this house and not think about, oh, my God, the real estate value, the curb appeal. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. Bullshit. You did not watch one second of HGTV when we were. On contraire, I did. I did, actually. So (laughs) this motherfucker said on contraire. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed, motherfucker. Indeed. I mean, not to also the in, the imposition that you're putting me in. I'm missing right now a screening of Heat, Vision, and Jack with the main cast and the writers right now. A live stream, a charity live stream. I just hope you appreciate that. What right now. the hell? <laughs> okay, I I sort of know what those words mean together. Live recording, reading, Heat stream, and Jack. I kind of know what those things mean. But you <laughs> you you threw them all into uh, just a, a landfill of words and nothing. So Heat, Vision, and Jack. Two, uh-huh. two intrepid Midwesterners moved to uh, Southern California, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub. They oh, came to great. Southern California with nothing but a dream. And um, they wrote a pilot that got the attention of uh, a young Ben Stiller and said, mm-hmm. this is this is hot. You guys need to pick this up. That's so they good because he doesn't just like produce and gobble up everything. He's got a very distinct hey, taste. Hey, OK, he's Hollywood. Said Red Hour. Yeah, he's Hollywood, baby. <laughs> So they did a they did a, a parody of Knight Rider called Heat Vision and Jack, starring a young Jack Black uh, playing Heat Vision, and then uh, oh wait no sorry he's playing Jack, and then Heat Vision was a talking motorcycle voiced by a young Owen Wilson. So this oh was I've a heard pilot. of this yes I, yeah I've heard of this like legendary pilot like look look where they're now look where they are yeah, now. and look where they are now yes yeah. so they were doing a charity live stream today at five but okay. and we're missing it. Thanks. Oh, great. It's not like it's going to be recorded and you can watch it later at your leisure. You know, Greg, you know, it's 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 about the FOMO. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you can't contribute to whatever charity is. You can only contribute for this one hour never, <laughs> between never. five and six specific time. There you go. That's it. Okay. For, for those who don't know, hello. Welcome to the Aspiring Snobs podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Greg. This is my twin brother, John. Hello. The premise of the show is where we endeavor to fill out our film bona fides by watching a, a classic um, with a very loose definition. Like oftentimes it's, it's one of those classics that um, I don't know, AFI or uh, the Academy will boast about other times it's cult classics. Other times it's something that, you know, we, we impose and want one of us to watch one another. 
we took a hiatus during the summer and now we're recording over zoom and now we get, we get to see it's just a panoply of hand motions and, and the ways in which that john and i express ourselves which we didn't do before so no of course now we're now we're playing to the camera now we're playing to the cheap seats baby yeah. look at us go look at yes. us go Although I've discovered in this new era of Zoom, I have to, you know, turn off my own camera because that's the only camera I look at the whole time. <laughs> Even when I have nine panels up, I, I only yeah. look at myself. You mean that you know? dead stare that's just like a few inches down or below? Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, just well, a also, dead eye. Like... I've, I've also had to uh, navigate the way you can position your phone so it doesn't look like you're looking away from your computer screen, but you're obviously looking at your phone and playing a game or checking social media instead of paying attention to whatever these, you know, make them poop. Oh, I just, uh, the, the way I skirt around that is um, I have my hands just out of frame. Uh, that's ah, the policy perfect. I have on all yes. webcams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shoulders just, just moving yeah. slightly. Yeah. <laughs> no, the really dexterous gentleman will not show anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Greg doesn't kiss and tell folks. Exactly. All right. Some, some people find that uh, even more enticing in some way. Like, what's really going on behind those eyes? People learn not very much. Uh, yes. Listen, John, you mentioned cheap seats. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they get much cheaper than the movie that we're talking about this week. No, in honor of Halloween, not. Yeah. In honor of Halloween, we should probably explain. We try to do Halloween-themed movies every year. Um, however, we're running low, and, uh, mm-hmm. both on the movies themselves, because the premise of the show is either both of us or one of us hasn't seen the, the film in question. Mm-hmm. And we're also running uh, low on motivation in that you and I don't really like horror films, and we don't like to squirm or be scared all that often. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So even... we like to do something kind of maybe horror comedy adjacent instead. That's typically what we do. Yeah. Not, not all the time, but yeah. Mm-hmm. There's still a few, like, horror movies out there but we decided to forego that this year and mm-hmm. and watch something that's really cornered the market on something that's not uh, readily available to the masses and that is a fun family-friendly halloween themed comedy mm. yes it was under my recommendation which uh, sadly never works out but here we are <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not true sometimes it works out i, I mm-hmm. want to keep people invested just <laughs> <laughs> just so they don't think like they could skip half the episodes being the movies that you recommend but mm-hmm. in any event we watched the 1993 uh disney film uh and constant rotation on abc family nay uh, uh free actually i did that backwards what am i saying on <laughs> in constant rotation on freeform nay abc family nay fox mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. nay the family I, network <laughs> yes i we came in when it was the fox network or Fo- uh, fox family which... fox family yeah we didn't yeah. have cable growing up, but that's that's a that was that was one Perfect of our perfect alliteration. Why did they ever let it go? Now it's free form, so it's like are they going back to the Fox? I don't know. Yeah, it knows. doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway. we're too old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enough about cable. We're of course talking about the Bette Midler starring Hocus Pocus. Emily. Emily. Emily! Elijah! Elijah! Has to see my sister Emily. Hey, but look, they conjure. Oh God, the woods! (laughs) 
She's done for. Not yet. You wake my father. Summon the elders. Go! Okay, right off the bat, the cards on the table. This movie's bullshit. Mostly <laughs> because <laughs> the title drop comes in the form of a character going, come on, man. It's just some hocus pocus dis- dismissively. Something that no human being has ever said ever in the entire history of words. <laughs> yeah, so the words hocus pocus, they come from a spell, presumably, right? Yes, they, they're like, they're, you know, like abracadabra. It's like one of those kind of like generic terms that you mean to say when you're like doing a magic spell or something like that. Yeah. Here in the movie, in the context of the movie, the character dismissively goes, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. And at some point, I guess the witches actually kind of use that against him like like kind of like deriding him but, like it's just yeah. a bunch of hocus pocus right and then it yeah. turns out obviously they're real but again like no one's ever used hocus pocus like to describe bullshit before <laughs> so it doesn't work no presumably and also they presumably were spirits uh you put your cards on the table let me slap mm-hmm. down let me slap down my pair or whatever mm-hmm. that's just no, this is not a good movie. Hocus no. <laughs> Pocus is not a good movie. Um, however, I can I could see its purpose. Like, as I said, there was a niche in the market. Like, there mm-hmm. is no fun, family-friendly, like, entertainment around Halloween. Um, I could see its origins. Like, uh, Home Alone, a few years prior, was a huge holiday-themed hit. And whatever, like, executives at Disney, smart executives at this rate, um, they weren't smart when it initially came out because it kind of tanked at the box office. It didn't do great, but... Um, mm-hmm kind of said like hey why don't we try to replicate that success this time around halloween we can't do it around christmas that's home alone's and macaulay colton's territory let's get some nobody actor um <laughs> and and try to do the same thing uh however let's let's maybe look at the the good decisions they made because I, I don't know how the heck you talk about like all movies are product to some extent um yes never have have we looked at in all of our 100 plus episodes that we looked at maybe one that's as explicitly a product as this one <laughs> Well, it's also so, like, it just feels so cheap. Like, I was under the impression for the yeah. longest time that this was a, like, Disney Channel original movie. Like, something designed for TV and not for theaters. But it turns out, yes, this was in theaters at some point. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but wonder why and how did anyone accept this? <laughs> well, eventually it did find its its proper home uh, with the right man to usher it. The, John, I saw this was directed by one uh, Kenny Ortega. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first film of his we've seen in our oeuvre. Um, <laughs> in his oeuvre. And... He went on to uh, achieve some success doing, again, like family movies, including all three high school musical movies, Disney Channel originals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it found a it found a a home on the Disney Channel. So maybe that's where it kind of belonged. Uh, And maybe that's also like why this film, like, again, we like to pick films based on maybe not like classic status only, but also like this idea that they have some kind of cultural significance. Maybe the reason why this movie is so fondly remembered is it did set up this template for what a Disney Channel programming feels like. Like, you know, over the top, you know, playing to the cheap seats. Like, oh my gosh, can you believe that we have adult grown people doing this kind of (laughs) shtick? Now, hang hang on, John, hang on. You spoke (laughs) as if, like, these these are uh, detriments and not qualities. (laughs) Whereas I disagree. I think they knew what... They didn't have a lot to work with. Like it's, mm-hmm. again, you said the budget's very small. They didn't have big names. I think a little behind the scenes trivia. They wanted like a, a young Leonardo DiCaprio to play the lead role to presumably be like the Macaulay Culkin because it really the main character is our hero is a like young boy. Um, 
who's supposed to be like the Macaulay Culkin character. And yeah, who's like disaffected with a, a, a family issue. Like he's moved like um, Macaulay oh, all his friends are back on the West coast. This exactly. Sucks. Yeah. He's, he's a fish out of water around Salem. You and I actually grew up around Salem. I found his depiction pretty accurate um, in terms well, of, no, the, and that's what actually, that's one of the impressive things about it is there are a few scenes that were shot on location in Salem, which mm-hmm. is so weird given the rest of the movie feels like it was, you know, done <laughs> on a four foot by four foot set. Yeah. So okay. 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 Like, okay. <laughs> so they don't have a lot working for them. One thing they did have was just a, a, a megawatt star in mm-hmm. one Bette Midler. Um, yes. Again, they saw where their gold was and they were able to spin it and stretch it as much as they can. And they got it in Bette Midler, namely her attitude, because as you said, she's giving it her all. Um, it's not mm. It's not what we'd call a realistic performance. <laughs> However, she is having the time of their life and I feel it like it translates through the screen. I, I think you're one to disagree. Yeah, it's Okay, it's, it's hard for me because I don't know if it ever uh, achieves past that point of like high camp because like camp is very specific and it's very kind of hard to define. And so there is this kind of level of over the topness that defines kind of good camp. However, this is kind of pitched towards children and pitched towards the cheap seats. So I don't know if it ever achieves. I mean, again, like part of the other reason why I wanted to see this is because, you know, the gays, the gays love <laughs> Hocus Pocus. And so I, I was curious and I was like, I wanted to see why. And I not like watching it. I was like, oh, I get it. This is high camp kind of, or at least pitched towards that, but also it's pitched towards children. So I never really kind of bought into it as like kind of a subversive kind of uh, <laughs> like level towards it. But like, I, you're right, I get it. It's like, it's intentionally meant to be over the top and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Only works tonight on All Hallows Eve. When the sun comes up, we have dust. Dust? Toast. Toast. Pudding! <laughs> Fortunately, the potion I brewed the night we were hanged would keep us alive and young forever. <sighs> Unfortunately, the recipe for that potion is in my spellbook, and the little wretches have stolen it. Therefore, it stands to reason, does it not, sisters dear, that we must find the book, brew the potion, and suck the lives out of the children of Salem before sunrise? Otherwise, it's curtains. We evaporate. We cease to exist. Dost thou come? Well, you explained it beautifully, Winnie. The way you started, started out with the adventure part, and then you sort of slowly... Explain what? It's... Come! We fly! Yeah, so you you appreci- you looked at it from a perspective of camp. Um, we should speak to, it's not just the gays, but also, like, um, uh, I think uh, there's a subset of women, uh, like Disney fans who love it, and, like, my wife loves mm-hmm. it, and now it's part of our annual tradition to watch this movie around Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um this is the first time I've watched it stone cold sober, like from beginning to end <laughs> intently, like not, not like uh, checking my phones or, um, uh, you know, grabbing another um, to drink from the fridge or whatever, you know, to make room. It's to make room in the fridge. That's why I do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did want to see if we could do a Straussian reading on Hocus Pocus. Um, <laughs> outside, outside of its, what good qualities it has, namely Bette Midler's performance. Um, I'll get to her co-stars later um, and where they, what they're lacking that's say Bette Midler has. Um, and I so mean, I, she's the only one who gets top billing before the title. So exactly. They knew where um, their money was at. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's try to do a Straussian reading and kind of pick this movie apart. I know it, 
again the movie needs nothing says nothing it probably goes through your brain or it probably goes through your body like like cheap halloween candy but like a pixie stick it's, yeah. it's not even candy it's a pixie <laughs> yeah. stick but let's see let's see what, what we can read from it um my first perspective upon this rewatch is that it's an anti-feminist text <laughs> excellent point we yeah. start at the salem witch trials <laughs> yes exactly the salem witch trial which i'd say like now with our our current historical perspective like we'd say it would, um, this was a society that was very repressive against women. Mm-hmm. And this is what led to these unjust hangings, basically. And I think some people also project like these women um, had some like kind of uh, sexual um, kind of sexual freedom that the society wanted to put down. Um, in any event, yeah, we started the, the um, Salem witch trials. But because this was in the early 90s, we didn't have that kind of like revisionist history. Um, this is seen as a good thing. It's seen as a good thing that the women are hanged. Um, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Another another point I want to make um, that, that yeah the, the movie doesn't have a lot of good qualities or texture to it. The the witches are motivated by sucking the life out of children mm-hmm. to um uh, to, to preserve their own life. To, yeah. yeah, to preserve their own life and beauty. So the first woman they capture is a is a young girl named Emily who just sits there. Like the camera literally <laughs> just points there, and she's literally doing nothing. She's not even tied up at this point. No. Yeah. Um, she just sits there with a blank expression. Um, and it's the man who has to come and rescue her. Uh, so uh, there's no like. It's funny how long this movie takes to get going, but also how yeah. little texture there is. It's yeah. just like. <laughs> my sister she's been kidnapped by the three witches i have to go and then we get like 15 minutes of him running to the woods to get to like their evil lair yeah <laughs> and then we get there and yeah the sister is just sitting there just kind of like dumbstruck mm-hmm. about what's happening to her yeah it's also a study of contrast because they don't uh, film production is such a pain in the ass and nobody really shoots big movies outside anymore like now yeah. they know what makes it so to go from like have this character run through this like beautiful field at like a uh, golden hour mm-hmm. i think up in massachusetts like they did film no shots. they did film on location yeah, they, like yeah, they yeah. Filmed... so i was kind of impressed by that given how cheap the rest of the movie feels <laughs> yeah, and then like... he enters a set that literally looks like a high school play <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a little weird too um yeah <laughs> but they do get good use out of that set um as we'll see so again anti-feminist text um <laughs> Because we've got three powerful women uh, who want to assert their uh, authority. In the case of uh, Bette Midler, particularly sexuality. I mean, just mm. raw, raw. <laughs> Those teeth. <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> but again, they're beset by women, women from a, women who are really acting powerlessly. And now I want to get to Bette Midler's co-stars, uh, Catherine Najami and Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. um, who I really got to say, let the side down. They're not doing anything uh, nearly as to the level that Ben Midler is. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker, I kind of want to give her credit because she kind of has a little bit more characters. Well, I mean, they're both playing ditzy, yes. but it's like Sarah Jessica Parker can kind of lean into that a little bit more because she is kind of the skinny one mm-hmm. and the more kind of conven- a conventionally attractive. Yeah. So it's like because of that, she can kind of lean into like, I'm the extra stupid one. And also she gets the least amount of lines. So I think she kind of has to like give more of the physical performance comparatively. I mean, comparatively speaking to the other two, all of them are just like, ah, to the nines. But, you know, like, I feel like I took special attention to her because it does feel like she is kind of like, playing a bit more to the physicality to it than the other two because again she's the skinniest one so she has to kind of like go a little extra like take the extra mile. well she's also blonde she's wearing this big long blonde yeah wig. she's also yeah. so yeah, there's it's like shorthand too. like she's the ditzy one kathy najami like 
she steals like a lot of scenes in sister act, like the two mm-hmm. sister act movies. She's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, she didn't lend enough um, for one thing. They didn't take a, a advantage of her great singing abilities, which I, which no, felt like a only missed opportunity. Like, yeah. And again, Sarah Jessica Parker gets a singing scene in this movie. So I don't know. Yeah. And Bette Midler gets her own kind of scene. So why didn't they find an excuse to give her one? Yeah. Anyway, the, the, let's set that aside again the movie's not working with a lot um no. and now we get it to our actual main characters yes. um <laughs> flash forward 300 years mm-hmm. we're now focused on a young kid named max um every uh disney movie had to have a star a teenager named max this was their demographic this is what the um the producer says like this is our ideal customer a 14 year old mm-hmm. named max <laughs> A 14-year-old virgin. That's very important. He's a virgin. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that John, that perfectly leads to my next point. All right. It's really, again, as being part of a, a feminist text, it also shows how uh, masculinity is also being ripped away. Um, <laughs> because um, because uh, young Max, he's, he's, he's dissatisfied. He's not happy that the family has moved uh, all the way from Los Angeles to Salem. It's never explained why, weirdly. Um, and uh, also weird for a Disney movie, he has both, both parents are alive. Um, usually to engender sympathy immediately, you have like uh, one parent being dead or you make the kids orphans, but um, no. Well, they do, they do do the proper uh, thing in these kind of movies, which is the parents are completely oblivious and completely irresponsible. Yes. yes. So they go out to their own Halloween party mm-hmm. and basically stay out till sunrise very irresponsible <laughs> well th- th- there's a story reason for that again you could you could completely miss it on your first viewing uh, we'll, we'll get to that specific uh, specific plot point but um mm-hmm. max is emasculated because he has to take his little sister played by thor birch um which is which will lead into another point i may uh, i want to make mm-hmm. uh out trick-or-treating and he doesn't want to like he's like oh i'm too old for trick-or-treating and um Thankfully, uh, he catches the eye of a great woman, um, mm. a fellow. I say woman because she's she's supposed to be playing a high schooler, even though she looks about twenty five. Um, they they three for some reason, again for some reason, the, the reasons are really explained in this movie. They decide to go to the site of the old Sanderson sisters, the ones who were executed three hundred years ago. Anyway, sh- shenanigans start. It's it's intimated. The running joke is that he's a virgin, and a virgin has to light the candle that summons them again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they did not play up this joke nearly enough. Every joke should have been like, "I'm a virgin." He has to defend himself. <laughs> well, and it's like the it's the little sister who's making it like a big deal. She shouldn't even know what sex is. Why would it be funny if she was the one pointing it out? It should be his peers kind of like yeah. pointing it out and like you know like getting like getting one over on him for that one. Not his little sister. She shouldn't care. <laughs> no. And and the little sister is is very unusual because she's like uh, plucky and energetic at the beginning, yeah. And then she also like as the plot progresses, throws out like sarcastic comments or like eye rolls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I don't feel they they wrote a uh, eight year old all that well. Um, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Wow. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Shots fired. I know. Um, I've got notes. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> let me let me get my papers here. Um, <laughs> well, and that's also like that's also the point I wanted to bring up is like there's been a lot of talk about how nitpicking has kind of taken over the, you know, conversation of, you know, film criticism. But I think it's also a testament to, you can nitpick a movie that's bad because you're not taken away by the experience. And so I could nitpick this movie to death because again, it's just so boring. (laughs) Like (laughs) one of the points I want to make is a lot of the comedy that this movie attempts to make is the 
fish out of water aspect to the witches, you know, being these 300 year old creatures now in modern day, they don't know what a bus is. Yeah. Um, later in the movie, we get a chase scene where he's driving away and the witches are chasing him on a broom and they, you know, are trying to go to him. They're like, where's your driver's license? You don't even know what a bus was. <laughs> you know what a driver's <laughs> license is. <laughs> it, it does feel like a lot was cut down. Yes. Uh, well, not and, that it wasn't cut down. It just wasn't thought through for consistency. It's yeah. like, what's the easy joke we could make here, regardless of context? <laughs> yeah. So you're right. There are easy jokes like um, the witches lose their broom, so they have to pull out like a vacuum cleaner and fly away mm-hmm. on that. What else is there? They meet uh, the devil, who they think is the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's just an old uh, man with a well. That's with a he's played by Gary housewife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's played by Gary Marshall. So yes, technically they met the devil, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yes, they, yes, they meet the devil, aka Gary Marshall, and and his bitch housewife or whatever who doesn't want to go out on Halloween, just just wants to watch TV. I was with her the whole time. Like, why why the hell are you inviting strangers into your house, um, especially ones it's dressed up as weirdly as these ladies? Again, trying too hard. Very befitting fit Salem, a, a city that tries very hard on Halloween. Um, Shut up! Fill the sky! Bring the little brats to die! <laughs> And that things weren't thought through because they kind of go for the easy fish out of water jokes. And the kid's story is never really explained. They take the spell book on the advice of a character from earlier. Mm-hmm. And then they take it to a graveyard. It's never really explained why. Oh, they, they do. There's a line. Uh, okay. Graveyards are sacred ground. So technically witches can't walk on it. But again, they have flying powers. So they just hover above it with their brooms. So what's the fucking point? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's, it's, but then they have to go talk to, they escape the graveyard and then go to their parents who are having a party at City Hall. Exactly. And they're completely yeah. dismissive, you know, as mm-hmm. so, you know, as an excuse, you yeah. know, they can continue the plot. Um, I gotta say, that's it, not as bad as other 90s kids movies where the parents or adults are complete idiots. <laughs> I, I'm remembering a few like Blank Check and um, First Kid. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but also we need to point out the uh, plot element that's introduced also at this time is the witches raise a zombie to chase them. And the zombie is played by a very young Doug Jones, Absolutely. very talented Doug Jones. Um, yeah. The zombie's evil until he's not. Um, I don't know <laughs> if that's ever explained. <laughs> he's, he, he obviously does not want to be summoned. He, he just wants to rest peacefully and begrudgingly goes along with the witch's plans until, like a lot of kids' movies, you know, they take the thorn or the stone out of the foot and then suddenly mm. the, the angry creature is in the vet. This time they um, unsew his mouth shut, uh, which yes. is what the witches did. And, so, and suddenly he's turned good. Very easy motivation, which I can understand, okay? I don't know why you have to be a, a cynical so-and-so about it. I like, need to have my hand held. I need logic and facts <laughs> in all my movies, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a plot point you missed. Uh, the, the reason to go to City Hall is so that we see a band playing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we got if, if you cast Bette Midler... You got to have her sing. Yeah, she's got to sing, and she's got to cast a spell 
over the crowd the same way she did over America's hearts mm. <laughs> oh, in roles such as the Rose in Beaches. And I mean, so, she's no Ethel Merman in my heart, but whatever. Okay, yeah. I'll accept it. <laughs> so she sings, a, what's, oh, uh, I put a spell on you. Yes. Um, the jury's still out if it's an improvement on the original Screaming hey. Jay Hawkins. It, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> you're shaking your head. I, I disagree. I, I disagree. It's another thing that white women have taken from black people and improved. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Adam in the middle of a song. It's an emergency, only for a minute. Oh. Will everybody listen up, please? Your kids are in danger. Three hundred years ago, the Sanderson sisters bewitched people. Now they've returned from their grave. (laughs) Hey man, I'm serious. It's not a joke. This has gone far enough. I know this sounds dumb, but they're here tonight. They're right over there. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Max. For that marvelous introduction. <laughs> I put a spell on you. And now you're mine. <laughs> you can't stop the things I do. I ain't lying. No! No! Don't look at him! Been 300 years, right down to the day. Now the witch is back. And there's hell to pay. <laughs> I on you. Good joke. Happy Halloween. Thanks a lot. No, man, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get heavy. I'm not That plot point that you missed is it casts a spell that forces them to dance all night. So they're actually mm-hmm. trapped. Not that you could tell. They never actually cut back to the crowd and say, like, oh, I wish I could stop dancing, but I can't. Or, yeah, so. I mean, it's also, yeah, like, again, if we're going to nitpick, like, how how fearful should we be of the witches? Because they're cast as bumbling buffoons. Yeah. And they're, they're like obviously the three stooges. Yeah, they're played for laps, but also they're supposed to be sinister and our film's antagonists. So how scared should we be? Like, I think, yeah, I it's think never we well missed, defined. No, I think there was a real missed opportunity in that opening scene because uh, we see a, a character chase after the young Emily, like, oh, I've got to save my sister. And then they cut to, it's not even like well introduced. Like mm-hmm. um, they cut to, and it's just like a close up of each like sister. Like, whereas that first scene, like, what if you just not see their faces? Or, like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's even worse or... when they're resurrected. When they're resurrected, you know, it's yeah. like lightning bolts, and then they're just at the front door. <laughs> like, yeah. what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. Again, we're talking about the language of film here. Um, <laughs> one that this, this movie isn't, in particular, isn't speaking well, but. No. There's there's chances to improve and there's still like good stuff in it. Again, Bette Miller gives 110% through all of this between, you know, the I put a cell on you performance and uh, the little set pieces like around the bus or at Mm -hmm. at Gary Marshall's house. But the kids and uh, the kids run back to the graveyard or something. Actually, they run back to the house thinking that it's over. Oh, no, sorry. They run to the high school and um, go to the the walk-in kiln, which I did not feel safe putting around uh, high school kids, but... Um, that's just me. They yeah, think this they, is supposed yeah. to be the the rising the rising and lowering tension. They think yeah. they kill the witches. Turns out they didn't. They just you know walk out of the kiln with like you know soot on their faces, like Ugh. yeah, three stooges <laughs> stuff. Yeah, live action cartoon. Yeah, and so um, they go back to the house. Uh, our hero Max has a chance to score, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what the movie should have been subtitled. Can't fucking seal the deal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hocus pocus colon the guy who never scored, but um. <laughs> 
then uh, th- now we reach the third reason that I saw this movie, um, or excuse me, uh, the third Straussian reading that I did in this mm-hmm. movie. It's it's true meaning, I think. After the witches uh, escape the kiln, they put a spell over the town so that all the children come back to their house and they can steal all the life force from the children. You remember how they were originally motivated. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they kidnap Max's sister and and um, all the children are, are entranced and, and wander back uh, to the house. And that's when I saw that this movie was really about QAnon. Uh, this mm. movie is a coded message. So the Sanders sisters basically represent the cabal that's running Hollywood and the Democratic Party and um, how they really how they really want how they want to suck the life force out of children. Um, To live forever. Yeah. Yeah. To live forever. Yeah. Because, you know, as we know, all these Democrats live forever. Um, (laughs) I'm thinking about it and I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) After some deep critical thinking. Yeah. Uh There's no other way to look at it. Yeah. And oddly enough. it's it's good that it was put out by Disney, um, mm. one of the corporations that perpetrated this. So, but they had to code it via Disney to actually reveal that they're perpetrating it, um, so that digital soldiers in the future could see that. Um, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> no, it all makes sense. Yeah, they pre That's why '90s kids love it so much. They're pre-programmed now to vote for Biden. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's that brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. now I get it. <laughs> So that's the ultimate meeting. Um, they have a, a fight at the graveyard. Um, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't look great. Um, One of them gets turned to stone before they all blow up. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. With the other two blow up. Uh, anyway, the point is they defeat the witches. Um, Max and uh, his sister are reunited. Nothing is learned. Nothing has changed. Um, and Max, most importantly, Max has not scored. That's what you should take away from it. Don't have sex to your ready kids. I mean, yeah, the whole defining character trait is the fact he's a virgin. No, he never scores. <laughs> yeah. Are we nitpicking a children's movie? Maybe. <laughs> Is it too much for us to expect better? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, again, again, it fulfills a very important role in the market. Mm. And that is, if you want good, family-friendly, Halloween-themed entertainment, this is basically your only choice. I mean, what's... I mean, there's The Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of. Yeah. Although Even that, that one's some kind of scary. That one's a little imagery. too like too intense for me. I I, I wouldn't feel good. <laughs> does Oogie Boogie scare you, Greg? Is it, it Oogie Boogie? All right, he's filled with worms. I'm not I'm not about that. All right. That's traumatizing for that was traumatizing to me when I was like twenty five. I'm not gonna mm. I'm not gonna subject my kids to that. Whereas this, again, not a great movie. Not a great movie by many, many standards. The standards of you and I to cynical white boys, but mm-hmm. 
I, I, I do think it serves its purpose. That purpose being a good film? No. That purpose being like a, a good party time to put in the background while you're, I don't know, making Halloween treats or just drinking with friends? Like, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's ultimately, I think, uh, again, going back to like the modern state of criticism is like, it's very hard to kind of define like something that is objectively good or bad at what it's set out to do versus your own personal tastes as well. So it's like, was this to my liking? Absolutely not. It was garbage. But you're right. If it was intended to be a family friendly, all ages kind of kitty fair, I guess it did its job. Yeah. Like, I actually would like to rewatch this with like a six year old and see how well it would hold their attention and see if it does a good job in that aspect. Uh, I would be surprised. And if the kid had any say- taste, if they would actually enjoy it, because, you know, I like to judge kids tastes and I want to know. <laughs> if they're smart. Oh, oh, now you expect a six year old to have taste. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, that's when, you know, that's where you, you got to like get it in there, you know, like I'm like, <laughs> Power Rangers, please stop wasting your time. Let me introduce you to a little thing called Pokemon. Good friend. (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid you were going to say Beetleborgs, but... um... (laughs) Well, obviously, yes. For the kid with fine taste, Beetleborgs was the (laughs) way to go. Okay. It was Beetleborgs, then VR Troopers. What do you think was better? VR Troopers or... um, uh, Wait, was VR Troopers the Cyber Squad? No, the superhuman samurai cyber squad is what you're thinking of. Yes. yes. And, and I forgot my different and than I, I remember that and I forgot my mom's birthday this year. <laughs> <laughs> but like VR Troopers and Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad were two different things, right? It wasn't like yes, colon. No. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. No. They came I think they came next to one another in WPIX WB fifty six's uh morning weekday morning program block so that's maybe that's where your confusion lies but you're right you're right it was it was captain planet then sonic the hedgehog and then yes now i remember (laughs) thank you but anyway the point is if if you take nothing else away from this discussion it's that power rangers which is really bottom of the barrel stuff not good not we're not fans i mean Um, they were like again like hocus pocus it was setting up the template this is you know this is where the good stuff will follow Mm -hmm. yeah but listen now that disney owns pretty much everything like all intellectual property mm-hmm. um and we've got nowhere else to go i know they're still like making money off hocus pocus but i'm saying we can do it better like if you do want halloween fair i mean come to us we're practically script doctors at this point i think we we can craft a good story set up an office for us on the disney lot um we, we take a modest sum uh just one million dollars each and we will come up with something that uh that I think uh, will vastly improve on Hocus Pocus. I mean, you guys keep trying to reboot the Ghostbusters. I don't know why you haven't come to us. Because yeah. we've got the perfect ideas, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> what about a Ghostbuster movie? No ghost. All right. This is how real we're getting. <laughs> I'm talking gritty. Ghosts aren't yeah. even a thing in it. <laughs> yeah. And we play ambiguously with perspective. Like, are the ghosts real? Are they not? Is the Bankman standing crazy? Who knows? Are the ghosts a metaphor for trauma? I think they are. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Greg, how, how come we're not Hollywood success stories yet? I don't understand. <laughs> Who knows? Um, it, it's one of life mystery. It, it just shows how the market is a terrible uh, dictator of outcomes and justice and all these other things. <laughs> but in any event, um, this is not the only uh, film that we're going to be talking about this episode and not the only one which I suspect uh, I will defend and John will viciously attack um, mm-hmm. because uh, 
we also conclude every episode with a, a segment of a movie that we want that we either watched recently or want to recommend. Um, and that segment is called Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Spotlight. 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 Yeah. Spotlight. And for, for this most recent Spotlight, we're looking at uh, your and my favorite writers. Everybody's favorite. Uh, I, if you look on social media, this guy, <laughs> everyone can't stop talking about him. When, uh, when the, they came to him and said, do you want to do a masterclass for us? Everyone was like, for what? For being a writer or for just being an outstanding human being? Like, <laughs> we just didn't know. <laughs> I suspect, I, I haven't heard stories of uh, personal interactions with him, I, but I'm sure it's nothing but positive. <laughs> How that comes across on the page is very different. Um, of course, we're talking about uh, writer and now director Aaron Sorkin and his latest, Straight to Netflix. Um, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. Straight to Netflix, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, I'm dumb. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of story. This is a story about justice, damn it. This is a story about the war, all right? Um, yes, it sure is. <laughs> See, I brought up his masterclass because, like, I've seen the little trailer and he says, no one says damn it. And I'm like, oh, really? Now you're concerned about <laughs> realistic dialogue? Aaron yeah. Sorkin, who are you trying to fool? Listen, people have their weird picadillos, all right? Christopher Nolan refuses to shoot on film, even though digital is far superior and you have more control and easier to use. However, he's just weird in that way. Um mm. It's fine. But anyway, The Trial of Chicago 7. This is a movie mm-hmm. that they've tried to make for years. I saw, I remember perusing like IMDb in like 2003 and this was set up with Steven Spielberg for a long time. It said like a uh, trial of Chicago said like upcoming or pre-production or something with Steven Spielberg directing and Aaron Sorkin writing. Unfortunately, the project fell through with Steven Spielberg. And uh, I think after the success question mark of Molly's game, they allowed him <laughs> after to... Molly's game came out, they were just like fast track what this guy's working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They Netflix allowed him to direct his own screenplay. Um, now, for a lot of people uh, that uh, of our ilk, John, and I mean this nitpicky, you know, cynical uh, <laughs> movie critic types, uh, this is not a good thing because uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin has a distinct voice and uh, perspective on the world, and not a lot of people like it. Um, not a lot of young people, that's for sure. It's it's very theatrical and it's very earnest. And, yeah. you know, in a post, you know, Gen X world, it's like, ugh, whatever, Grandpa, go back to your boomer convention or whatever, <laughs> wherever yeah, you came from. Yeah, he's, he's a very uh, boomer. And this looks at a very um, boomer conflict, which is whether the Vietnam War was good or not. That's all that we're basically litigating uh, for the rest of our lives at the ballot And you box. know what? The ultimate message of the movie is maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Also, no, of course not. No, not really. <laughs> no, no. Not like most things that he put. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I knew nothing about the uh, Chicago 7 or Chicago 8 prior to this. I knew nothing mm-hmm. of Abby Hoffman. I didn't know Tom Hayden. I didn't know Jerry Rubin. I didn't know any of these people. I didn't know all the, the, the kangaroo or the circus that this court case ended up being. Um, mm-hmm. Did you know anything about it? Or Vaguely. I knew it was kind of prescient given our current uh, political situation uh, because it was obviously a situation where the cops were maybe the aggressors, maybe the protesters were the aggressors. You know, they couldn't yeah, quite decide. We, and again, yeah, we it was... Should... We should explain this was set around the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Um, mm-hmm. Get this, folks. Um, the Democrats <laughs> uh, decided to run a candidate uh, who didn't have a whole lot of enthusiasm, but might have had a better chance to win. Yeah. Um, 
For some reason, the Democrats decided to nominate someone who was more in the middle of the road instead of radicals. So, yeah, yeah. or not. Thankfully, yeah, those not days are long behind us. <laughs> yeah, not addressing the concerns of the time. Um, uh, amazingly, in a first for history, young people did not like this um, and took to the streets. And the police, obviously, um, were very measured and tempered in their response. Um, oh, professional, uh, I think was the best way to describe them. They yeah, were professional. professional. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were very professional and courteous in their behavior, respecting their, their right to free speech. Oh, I'm just getting news over the wire. Um, no, they weren't. <laughs> they unsheathed their billy clubs, uh, cocked their shotguns, uh, mm-hmm. canceled took off their, their badges. <laughs> yeah, took off their badges and identifying marks and beat the crap out of protesters. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's a very time, timely story. It, yeah. Timing couldn't have worked out better for Aaron. Sor- I mean, not that they ever can plan on when things, because this was shot obviously way before, heck, even the pandemic happened. So, like, to kind of anticipate these things is great um just shows how we're how we're always um we're always having the same arguments and and history is just a flat circle man it's always coming Mm. back it's like arguments about infinite jest it's never going to go away Um, (laughs) but in any event this was a uh a kangaroo court set up for um seven of the most prominent leaders of this young people's movement um when the riot erupted and the the state basically wanted to prosecute them just say like hey you know, yeah you know put them put them on a show trial and say like hey you're going to jail um, for very transparently political reasons yes and they're yeah. charging them with a a law that was you know written on the books to be racist against black people yeah um, or give an excuse to arrest black people and then b also try to create a conspiracy where one really did not exist so yeah and so um the, really the moral conundrum of this uh thing it becomes like uh are we going to showcase ourselves uh for the cause or are we just doing it to put a spotlight on ourselves and i can mm. think of no better man to address that than aaron sorkin a guy who always looks at the political cause and is never self-aggrandizing uh, no, oh i've never. got another oh i've got another item across the uh <laughs> Aaron Sorkin did a, a, a little show called The West Wing, where what's mm. really important is um, speech and decorum <laughs> and winning uh, arguments with logic and what your opponent says, like, I tip my hat to you, sir. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because in the end, honor is what wins out. Yeah. <laughs> and good morals. <laughs> yes. I will, look, I'll, again, cards on the table. This movie could not be any more histrionic unless Forrest Gump showed up. Okay, <laughs> I was half expecting Forrest Gump to show you up. Say, you point. say that, that, that's because that was our first exposure to Abby Hoffman. I'm like, who the hell is that in the American shirt? That's Abby Hoffman, John, when he shows up on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. That's him. Um, they mm. never name him, but I'm like, who, who was? Is that supposed to be somebody famous? And it was. So, yeah, yeah, it does. It, it does kind of like um, it, it looks very much like a play. Like everybody like says their piece. There's it sounds like... very much like a play too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They... Everyone's shouting their lines. All the characters are introduced with, "Here's my philosophy and here's my point of view." <laughs> well, hold on a minute, good sir. <laughs> I... Yeah, so it's very histrionic, very earnest, as you said, um, but still like filled with a lot of like annoying quips and and. Oh yeah, yeah. Perfect rejoinders, like yeah. perfectly timed. <laughs> yeah, a lot of like breaking down of like analogies, which no, I like. Bojack Horseman does it all the time too, and it just annoys the crap out of me. It's like you know, it's like I, I I could care less. Like, wait, are you saying you could care less or could not care less? Like you know, stuff like that. That's not great. However, I think it's like structured pretty well because it's all set in basic flashbacks, like um, yeah. like a lot of and the editing dramas. is just 
perfect. The yeah. editing actually is really ingenious. The way mm -hmm. when they cut back, they cut between different perspectives and different and like it all played like the editing actually in this movie is really, really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll give it up to the editing. I mean, it starts with pretty good exposition when we're introduced to the all the leaders of the Chicago eight. And as you said, they have to like point out all their all, all their philosophies and exposition. The clunkiest going to um, the leader of the Black Panther Party, um, really, really the one who has the most tenuous connection to this because he only spoke for like like flew into Chicago, spoke for like an hour and then left. Um, but they it, as they said, the prosecutors, as they mentioned in the movie, the prosecutors need a black man to basically scare the jury um, <laughs> and and intimate that this is a, like this was a violent riot. And so um, that, that's that's kind of the clunkiest exposition because it's like very bl bad blocking with like a, 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 a Black Panther like woman like following him behind like, oh, no, like, you know, you can't do you can't do that. Or like, <laughs> shouldn't I tell you about our leader, Fred Hampton or like... <laughs> Like, yeah, so like some of the exposition's clunky. They have to use full names. And I mean, and before I forget, like also yeah. one of the things people love to praise about Aaron Sorkin is he writes women really, really well. And that is <laughs> proof in this movie as well. There's yeah. literally two women who have speaking lines. <laughs> one is just there for exposition and the one is a devious slut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is something that a lot of people maybe can't get over in their criticism. Um Aaron Sorkin can be a bit of a misogynist sometimes. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, movie, a lot of his uh, women characters are honeypots, and it turns out one is. Um, I, I, this scene is very, very gross. Not just in that the woman's honeypot, um, who has to be turned around and, and, and corrected by her male counterparts, uh, but also the way in which she charms her target is with possibly the worst pun I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Do you know why the French only eat one egg? Like, yeah, the, if I'm going to pick apart analogies, yeah, you know, the French, that whole big body, they only have one egg for breakfast, you know, <laughs> that they split 30 million different ways. Um, and it's because it's an if, you know, get it? Because un if, it means one egg in French. You got to I speak French, huh? my stomach hurt when I heard that. I just, <laughs> Well, again, it's, it serves a good purpose in the story because it yeah. shows that, you know, the cops are more well organized and shows that, oh, you know, it's not a heat of the moment thing. They planned on sabotaging these people from the very beginning. So, like, yeah. again, there's that scene where they show all the cops taking the stand and who they were undercover, like, you know, clearly. And mm -hmm. again, like a testament to the editing, they do a really good job kind of demonstrating that. But yeah, like, again, there's no good roles for females in an Aaron Sorkin movie. No. <laughs> That's probably what it attracted him to the material is that no, no, none of the Chicago Seven were. Oh, females. thank goodness. So yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. I didn't have to do the, the the dumb bitch. Like you know, like why are we on trial? I don't get it. And then Abby Abby, Abby Hoffman, as played by Sasha Baron Cohen, has to go. Hey, listen, lady. All right. Won't a man explain this to me, please? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> All right, so so for the purposes of this, I'm I'm glad you compliment some things. I was worried that I was going to be uh, the Thomas Hayden. Um, and do my weird uh, Eddie Sticky, Red, I yeah, might have Eddie Asperger Redmayne syndrome voice. kind yeah. of acting choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with my weird Eddie Redmayne voice, and you you could play the role of Abby Hoffman in this, like you know, with it with his uh, with his uh, quasi New York accent. Um, hey man, I'm the man of the people. I'm here to tell you, I'm like the stand up comedian. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very odd um and it really shows Aaron Sorkin's limitations as a director because it, you have so many possibilities as an actor to embarrass yourself um 
if it weren't for a good director, like, so you can kind of like pull material together, either through editing or like giving notes and good choices. Like, I think they, they needed to work, they need to go back to not the drawing board, but definitely work on those accents for mm-hmm. poor Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne. I mean, Eddie Redmayne, there's probably no improving his, um, his voice no. work. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no improving Eddie Redmayne's acting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just keeps proving to herself ourselves every day that Hollywood is not a meritocracy, unfortunately. (laughs) The best performance goes to probably the best actor in the cast. And that's Mark Rylance um, as their attorney. Um, Kill surprise. Mark Rylance is the best actor in this movie. (laughs) Like (laughs) name any movie where that's not the case. (laughs) Yeah. And probably the only one where could, because he doesn't yell. Um, Mm. He's the oldest someone in the Chicago, like the most weathered and experienced. Yeah. And he doesn't have to yell. Like he doesn't even have to raise his voice. Whereas the other, as you said, all the other ones are so, so damn like earnest and histrionic and really have to like pound their fit. Like every line deserves a, Pounding and for the, the cases where it's not that, they're yeah. building up to the moment where they are histrionic. Like I'm thinking of uh, John Carroll Lynch's character. You know, he's yeah. supposed to be the mature one, and he's the one who loses cool and punches yeah. a cop. He's the mature know, one. Point. Yeah, he's the mature one and the pacifist. So of course yeah. you're setting it up like that's the Chekhov's gun. Like what's going to draw him to violence? Well, like, his yeah. family's watching. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. So in addition to being like Ernest, it's very uh, 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 sweetly, sickly sentimental. And it's when like, yeah, his, his, his dumb bitch wife is like, why do you have to go? Like, can't you, can't you just sacrifice your principles for your family? <laughs> so, and of but, course the son's also, is... yeah. And of course the son's also like very astute on all these things. Like, you know, yeah. like, well, dad, Mayor, Mayor Daly said that, you know, he would say. <laughs> but what's weird is like, this movie opens with Justin Gordon-Levitt playing yeah. a, a lawyer who's hired by the attorney general to yeah. do this case, which is clearly politically motivated and clearly like designed to be an open and shut case. And he has reservations about doing this. He understands that this case is politically motivated and it's, it, it's immoral to do. Yeah. And he should have been our main character. He should have been our yes. POV character. And he gets sidelined for the rest of the movie. <laughs> he it's, gets nothing else to do. That's that's the most frustrating. If it if it's not the the Sorkinisms, if it's not the like you know the ratatat, every character being a little too clever and being a little mm-hmm. too histrionic, it is that our main character should have been this attorney Schultz, who like a lot of people in government like have these principles have these scruples but also like a lot of lawyers like your your main your main commitment is to win yeah so like what does he do does he like pull out all the stops to win which as we see like later the judge is basically on his side or does he find a way to i, I, I don't know like find a way to subvert it or like see that justice is done properly and not in this show trial like locking away people and taking away their first amendment rights like you know mm-hmm. And and that's really what should have happened. Um, it's possible that this like main character is a prick and is just it's like you know ugly and politically motivated as everybody else in the in the Nixon yeah. White House. But yeah. I mean, obviously, the way Aaron Sorkin re- uh, wrote Abby Hoffman also is kind of like yeah. a historical. Abby Hoffman was an anarchist. Yeah, <laughs> they literally have a line where he's like, "I actually like the government." It's like, no, no, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then I don't know. Like they mentioned that weirdly enough that like. Jeremy Rubin went on to be a stockbroker and like just gave up all his like commitments to left-leading politics or whatever. It's just like uh, the, the real political powers and money. Or, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It has to be like watered down and simplified. It's not, again, I'm going to defend like the, the ways in which it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, well, no, and that's I know that's the weird thing. Is, yeah, but. When we're talking about 
quality of filmmaking, this movie actually yeah. is really, really good. Like intellectually, I was so bothered by it. But uh, like from I, moment to moment, I couldn't yeah. take my eyes that's, away. That's so where I'll that's where I'll push back in terms of the okay. filmmaking wise. Like editing, yes. Like we'll give credit to editing between those scenes. However, um, there's one thing that uh, where Aaron Sorkin's really losing, and I could tell it's from uh, his days as a, as a playwright. Mm -hmm. um, you had the most powerful tool in all filmmaking, and it's called a close up. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> the problem with these. It's all done in wide shots, basically. And it's because mm -hmm. I think they only had like two setups. It's like um, the shot reverse shot, basically. And, it, and it's most indicative in that first scene when um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is tasked with by the current attorney general um, who's angry. And he's like, like, damn it, like these, these dang hippies are going to go down for their, for their left-leaning causes. And we never actually like cut to a close-up of him. We never actually see the anger that he feels. Um, and it's very important to the plot later, but like you could completely miss it because you're not engaged by it because you're not actually like looking at the actor's face. So you've got the same like close-up where most of the frame is taken up by his desk and the other like prosecutor's shoulder. Like, and I, I got so annoyed. I was like, cut to another angle, like do something different, but you know. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, like, again, going back to, like, Hocus Pocus, it's like, what was this movie's intention was to make a histrionic, like, Frank Capra-esque, yeah. you know, crowd pleaser. And I think on that point, it actually did a really good job. So I do have to kind of give it credit, even though intellectually, I wish it was more rigorous. I wish it was more challenging. I wish it was more um, ambiguous about what the, you know, truth was instead yeah. of at the end, they're reading the names of everyone who's died. <laughs> then it's, yeah. oh, I will have order in my court. <laughs> yes. No, John, they, they achieved what they set out to do. They ended the war that day. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm not a history buff, so I don't know these things. Yeah. When did we go to Vietnam? <laughs> That's that's one contradiction. So the the big climax, the big triumphant moment. Um, spoiler alert, in case anybody you know does want to see, um, they've been found guilty, which is conspicuously absent from the film. <laughs> like, <laughs> and maybe that's the other point of view. Like, we should have seen the jurors. Like, um, we could see kind of jury tampering from the judge and possibly the the um, FBI and other just other like legal entities, basically. So yeah, they, there was no way they got to fail trial, and they were found guilty. But after that, and, um, you know, he reads the sentencing, like um, the defendants are allowed to speak. And of course, they, they use that opportunity to read um, all the, the, the names of all the fallen soldiers in the Vietnam War and all the, the courtroom cheers, like, um, like he ate all these dead soldiers or like, yeah, the, the, the climax is basically saying like, hey, they stuck to their principles. That's what's worth, um, that's what's mm. worth uh, applauding and not necessarily that, um, yeah, that, you know, their effort to stop the war not i don't want to say failed but they're basically like using the same emotional manipulation tactic that the u.s government was using in broadcasting all the fallen soldiers on tv that you have mm -hmm. to like that everybody like has to have to solemnly stand up for like that's that's clearly not what mattered like his you know the the ugly churn like of, of poor soldiers in this pointless war but i don't know again it's it feels like emotionally manipulative I, I feel like it's it's heart was in a in a better place than where Aaron Sorkins usually is. Like again, putting putting dumb bimbos, which is usually putting dumb bimbos in their face, and 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 civility and decorum and compromise and and intellect overall. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so if only everyone had the perfect retort after yeah, every line. Exactly. If only somebody made a really good speech, that would solve everything. Oh God. I mean, I I I still kind of want to recommend the movie though. Yeah. Just 
you know, I think uh, it has more merits than demerits. So I'll, I'll yeah. give it credit. I think it's okay. a pretty good movie. Yeah. All right. Even all right. though, yeah, I'm not a fan of Aaron Sorkin. And I don't want to give him any credit. <laughs> oh, I mean, I still like already, a few good men well, too. Yeah, he's given, he's given himself enough credit in that yeah. department. Yeah. And again, going back to like the whole wide shot thing you said, it's like there's only one way to film a courtroom scene and that is with a wide because there's a lot of coverage you need. You, I, need to get, you need to get the gallery. You need to get the jury. You need to get the judge. No, you need to get no. the plaintiff. Get, a, get in the actor's face, up their nose. Like I want, oh. I want him close. Okay, it's the act. It's the greatest instrument you have in filmmaking. Just use it. Why aren't you using it? All right. Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? I don't understand. <laughs> overalls. They're called overalls. They only cover over some. <laughs> uh, if you love wonderful fresh material like that, gosh, if I got the, you can expect that every other week uh, when you subscribe to the Inspiring Snobs podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. Um, we also have social media feeds. Give us a like on there. It'll, it'll mm-hmm. help us um, find new listeners and continue doing the show and continue just putting out A-plus work like that right there. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't come up with that joke. For yeah, but, <laughs> oh, oh, really? You didn't come up with that fresh material? That's from uh, New Material Seinfeld. Just, uh, just yeah. go on YouTube, look up New Material Seinfeld, and you'll find it. <laughs> well, Greg, we also have room for trivia if you're have if you if you're inclined. Oh, so you do have trivia prepared. Oh, my Indeed, God. Oh, my gosh. So, the, the lights fall down. It's time for the trivia challenge. <laughs> I know you're trying to get out of it, Greg, because you're, you're not inclined for this mental warfare. I'm going to destroy <laughs> you this week. I know. Well, I was trying to get out of it because we've been here an hour, and so like I, our listeners' time is precious. But um, if I could show off my uh, my uh, intellectual bona fides here, uh, well, this one's actually out... I have a I have a different format for you this week. Oh, um, really? Yes, <laughs> multiple, so... cho- multiple choice, multiple choice, multiple choice. No, please. unfortunately not. Damn it! So I was listening. I was listening to another podcast this week. Another. Uh, gay hosted podcast and they brought up hocus pocus <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa wait wait a minute okay only only one of us um is is, is out with that information okay <laughs> but they brought up uh kathy najami uh-huh. and uh you know her work as an lgbt activist and also she's been in a movie called bear city sorry not bear <laughs> city bear city 2 Oh, I'm not going to bother asking you, are you familiar with Bear City 2? You should not be familiar with Bear City 2. (laughs) Okay. Um, Surprisingly, I I am not. Um, You know, I I am all about that bear life. Um, It's my my website, all about that bear life at gmail.com. I was unfamiliar with it too, but apparently it's full. It's it's part of a, a world that you might not be familiar with, which is low budget gay themed movies you know gay romance movies yeah so the progenitor like, uh, the progenitor and the one i always think to the go-to example is a film series called eating out <laughs> so so what so wait a minute so this isn't like um this isn't like outfest this isn't like the the san francisco lgbt well here's the thing they make these low budget movies and they can basically they can be entered to win and or be featured at basically any lgbt film festival ever which is why you know they keep getting made well okay Um, but those those are typically i i assume like um (laughs) uh like let's say a movie like weekend they're aspiring to like higher level material is it is this the case with bear city or eating out or no 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 it's not okay much lower and it's weird because a they're very low budget uh-huh. B, they have very sexually suggestive titles. And C, from the production values, you'd think it was a porno. And then D, because they are so cheap to film, they do end up having like four to five sequels. So it's like looking right. at it, you think you're going to watch a porno, but yeah. it's not a porno. <laughs> okay. All right. 
So what I want to do is, so because I was interested, like looking at this, this world of low budget films, I thought let's compare and contrast with another world of low budget films, Disney Channel original movies. So what okay. I'm going to do for this <laughs> trivia round, what right. I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a title uh-huh. and you're going to tell me, is it a Disney Channel original movie All right. or is it a gay themed romance movie? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I I may not be uh, up on my on my LGBTQ romance stories. Uh, however, I do have a, a a whole library of Disney Channel originals in my head. Not just not just High School Musical, but also Brink, um, the the mm. rollerblading movie. Um, that that's in there too. So I, I'm feeling pretty confident right now. I feel all like right, I, all right, yeah. okay. Look, I'm all right, score we'll see. 100%. I'm, I'm starting not, off easy for you. All right, all right, all right. Title number one: Motocrossed. Motocrossed. Well, as I mentioned, Brinked earlier, there were a number of, uh, let's say, action sports themed uh, movies. So that's a that's a Disney Channel original. That is correct. Good job. All right. Yes. All right. Strapped. Strapped. <laughs> Again, going with the going with the uh, action sports themed strapped, they could have their um, all their protective gear strapped in. Um, so that could be another like Disney Channel original. Um, however, I'm going to say that one is a gay themed romance. Correct. Again, okay. starting off right. easy. All right. All right. Now All we're right. getting a little more tricky. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? Question mark. <laughs> Is it just me? <laughs> um, that one I'm going to go. That uh, that sounds like that documentary. Do I sound gay? <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to say that's a gay romance one. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Right. I don't yes. think I don't think any of the Disney Channel original movies have anything more than exclamation point. No, at the end. they no. would never. You're they would s- never have a question. <laughs> no, they don't sound like the the titles to James L. Brooks movies. <laughs> <laughs> is my mom a robot? <laughs> is my mom a robot? As good as it gets. Like, how do you know? <laughs> okay. Next. Next title. Yeah. The luck of the Irish. Luck of the Irish. That one sounds like it involves a leprechaun, um, not in a sexual way. So I'm going to go with Disney Channel original. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. And yes, it involves a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one, E-Cupid. E-Cupid. Well, Cupid, come on. That one. Oh, wait a minute. So that one, gosh, it could be holiday themed like Hocus Pocus or Luck of the Irish. And remember, it has an E in front of it. So it's about technology. <laughs> yeah. This newfangled dating yeah. technology on your yeah. eye, on your telephone these days. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna say all these gay romance movies you're telling me, um, even though it would be cheap to film, they do not start on the computer <laughs> because you do want to see bodies and spaces here. You do want to see you know people hooking up in in physical ways, not on the computer. So I'm gonna go with Disney Channel original. <laughs> Yikes! Gay themed romance. Oh, okay. Sorry. Damn it! Damn it! A terrible premise. All right. I want to talk to the producers. How okay. could you start with a? Anyway, I've, I'm getting a, I'm getting all worked up about E Cupid, a movie that nobody has heard of before or since. <laughs> okay. Next title. Double teamed. <laughs> oh my god. Um, again, I talked I talked myself out of the last question, and I'm going to do it again. Again, thinking gay themed or whatever, double themed. I'm gonna say this one is a twin themed Disney original because, like, it's it's a pair of um, I don't know basketball players or something, and it stars like twins that they're trying to make happen, or like a, a kid deal like Drake and Josh or something. I'm gonna say it's a Disney Channel original. It is. Yes, it's about basketball. Yes, you got that right. Yes. 
I mean, it'd be weird if they called it double teamed and it was about baseball. Like it's not a one-on-one game. No, no. Double team because you double team a player. um, And yeah, I I honestly can't think of a a sexual connotation in which that works. But uh, anyway, okay. Do you want to take a minute for your eye? I I know it's been I'm I'm crying. I'm crying. (laughs) Because again, I'm just so impressed you were able to do the calculus on that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, next title. I'm going a little softer. The 13th year. 13th year. Um, now that one sounds like an Andrew Haig movie. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with gay, gay romance. Um, Disney Channel original. Sorry. Oh, dang it. I should have <laughs> known. Again, on second thought, um, it should, it would have been about like a young girl who's turning 13 and, you know, gets into wacky hijinks. Like, uh, oh, I should, I should be able to enjoy a night out on my own. Like my parents want to get a babysitter or something. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Under wraps. Under wraps. Um, well, already my mind is going back to strapped and um, how I'm adding these to my IMDb watch list. Um, <laughs> under wraps. That could also be Christmas themed because you wrap gifts occasionally. Well, not me. I, I find uh, bags of various sizes and just throw all my gifts in there. Um, anyway, enough, enough stalling, Greg. Uh, let's go with gay themed romance. It's a Disney movie. Ah. And the reason why it's called Under Wraps is it features a mummy. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. It, I guess that, why isn't that playing uh, 24 hours a day on the Disney Channel like Hocus yep. Pocus? <laughs> what's, really, what's really upsetting me, though, is that yeah. I was going to do Brink, but then you already guessed that yeah, one. So I already I get, yeah. Oh, God, everybody remembers Brink, John. Everybody remembers right. the first time they saw uh, uh, um, rollerblading on their on their television <laughs> screens, and that's why they're still doing it today. There you go. <laughs> All right, last title for you. Last title, yeah. Longhorns. Long. Oh, come on, John. I I know this movie because you saw it and you told me about it. This is a gay themed romance uh, centered on the University of Texas campus. Um, <laughs> Between a young man uh, finding himself, um, sometimes in another young man, sometimes that other young man finds himself in him. Um, who knows? This is this is this, this is what college is about. So yeah, yes, that is a gay themed romance. Yeah. I thought I could. Okay, trick you. <laughs> I know. I thought you were going to throw me off and say like it's both. Um, <laughs> that's what I was waiting on. No, I, I, I wish. See, when I initially did this, I was hoping mm-hmm. I would find one that could be both, but sadly, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. The uh, Disney folks are, are too careful for that. <laughs> Right. They would sue the pants off anyone who would yeah. dare. <laughs> Risk. Titling. Got, you got six out of nine, Greg. Six out of nine. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's that's a disappointment. I really wanted to score 100%, but uh, <laughs> I... Um, I'm really hoping for that home run, but yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> looks like you're going home a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Damn. All right. But just know next time we're going to have to come back with fire. So uh, <laughs> for our next trivia challenge. Oh, well, yeah, I think that wraps it up nicely. The only thing yes. we have left to do yeah. is the now last we're, thing. We're under wraps. Um, <laughs> the last thing we need to do is uh, tease the folks with what we're watching next time. Yeah. Um, let's elevate the discourse a little bit this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you and I uh, uh, wanted to catch up on a few more Alfred Hitchcock movies. Um, I think our last one was Psycho, which, which is a movie we've, now both adore um yeah one of my favorites and now one of your favorites um let's catch up on another thriller huh how about rear window i heartily agree okay yeah um i i said that as if we, we just chose it but uh, yeah we do have a <laughs> we talked reason. about it prior <laughs> yeah yeah 
Well, you never know. I could have I could have recommended you know uh, Vertigo or something like that. But I think you've yes, seen so. Vertigo and you've you've made your opinions known. <laughs> Vertigo. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I'll I'll save that one for later. Um, okay. I relish being a contrarian, and gosh, there are fewer movies where I can do that better <laughs> than. Um... <laughs> but in any event, um, that's what we're going to be watching next time. So uh, do your homework. Um, skip out on all those wonderful. Uh, heck, maybe. What am I saying? Skip out. Don't skip out on Strapped. Um, <laughs> maybe you'll find something you enjoy. Uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> Or under wraps, or who knows? We'll just turn E-Cupid, it into a double yeah, team. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just turn it into. I it'll just be a, a bit of everything, just a hodgepodge of, of high and low. Um, yep. <laughs> the high being uh, Brink, the low being Longhorns, which I think uh, I think is pretty poorly rated on Netflix. I don't think it's up there. Uh, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, well, that in mind, thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, keep aspiring. I put a spell on you.